Welcome, everyone, and good evening. Welcome. Any questions tonight? Yes. Um, this is kind of a big question and maybe a sensitive question in some ways. Um, what advice from the kind of spiritual perspective would you give to um, devotees who struggle with depression? Because it seems like there's a lot of devotees who have that problem. Um, well, I would, uh, you know, short of um, suggesting that they get medical advice, I would give what little medical advice I know that that uh, um, that um, might be uh, helpful. Um, so, um, get more exercise. Um, are you happy with your life? And what you know is it set up? Are you doing what you want to do? Um, those are some like you know more basic things, and um, and they can help. And um, and if it's more. Um, uh, serious than that, then um, then I would uh, suggest that they seek some um, um, professional help. And unfortunately, um, there is a in the hierarchy of our. Uh, material identity from the sense objects to the senses, which means the body, senses to the mind, to the intelligence, we go from a more gross to a more subtle um, sense of identification. And so when we have sensual or bodily ills, we don't ask the question. We seek out uh, remedies that are uh, prescribed by well, uh, often you get a lot of advice, unsolicited advice <laughs> from friends. I've got a, you know, enough medicine to open a pharmacy um, from the p people send me different remedies. As soon as they hear I've got something, I've got, you know, <laughs> herbs and everything. So I, mean, I just keep try to keep the door closed on this cabinet at Odaria. <laughs> So they don't just get me, you know, one bottle. They give me ten bottles, whatever it is. That's a secret. <laughs> just let out. But um, so there's a lot of unsolicited advice. If you say, you know, you got a headache or something or whatever amongst friends, um, and then there's obviously uh, internet provides different uh, remedies, and then uh, there are and they're actual medical professionals. And uh, in that realm, there are the naturopathic and the allopathic, and a lot of the devotees just have this uh, kind of a phobia against allopathic medicine, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes um, not for good reasons. Um, and so you have to kind of have a whatever works type of approach. But my point is that um, with regard to bodily uh, uh, illness, infirmity of any type, 
pain, disease, whatever it may be, um, we often, we, we, we would seldom, we wouldn't ask the question, what do I do? Uh, what should we do if we have a broken arm? What should we do if I have a cold? We, you know, you don't ask that kind of question in the class. But when it comes to mental um, um, disorders, um, we don't even like to think them of, of, them, of them as disorders. I was groping for another word, you know, to refer to it. Mental imbalance even sounds like, uh-oh. Uh, so the, the point I'm making is that the, our identification materially um, increases in one sense as the our, as it um, um, connects rather than with body with mind rather than with mind with intelligence. If I say you know you look uh, overweight, it might not have as much of an effect. You say so what you know yeah or whatever. But if I say you're stupid then you might want to fight me or something like that. Uh, so that point is the identification is more subtle as we go up the hierarchy of the material um, um, packaging that we're identified with. And so because the identification is stronger, intelligence, for example, is the upper kind of rim of the whole affair. And so we we more subtly identified there and therefore if our intelligence is attacked we feel that we are more attacked than if our you know uh, so you know, understand my point so um, so in one sense that's why the, the question is asked um, more uh, again you wouldn't ask what do I do if I have a broken leg hmm? but it, it's really, I think, not that much uh, difference whether we have a mental or a physical uh, condition. Let's call it a condition. There you go. <laughs> if you have a mental condition uh, or, a, or a psychological condition, hmm? a hunkar condition, or a, a well, we got you've got a uh, antakarna uh, condition that needs to be addressed. Something like that, maybe. Well, most people don't even know they have an undercar. <laughs> so I'm ready to address mine. So, uh, of course, we're making a little light of a serious uh, condition that a lot of people suffer from, and a lot of, uh, um, and proportionately, a lot of devotees, because devotees are people. So they suffer from they suffer from it in different ways and to different extents, and so there are going to be different um, remedies. Um, Anywhere from, like I say, get more exercise and you know, reevaluate your your life and whether it's set up the way that you want. And there's something to be said, as I often say, for that. Uh, when when we are expected to tolerate, that's true. We're also expected to create a favorable environment for our practice. So you have to balance these two things. I'm just going to tolerate anything in the name of tolerance and forego the other mandate to create a favorable situation for your practice. So as I often say, within the within the favorable situation for your practice, tolerate. <laughs> There'll be plenty of room for that. I've created a favorable environment for my practice, and sometimes some of my godbrothers have encouraged me to come back to another institution because I would get more opportunity to tolerate. I told them, I don't need any more <laughs> opportunity to tolerate. I've got a lot of opportunity for that, as it, as it is. So, um, 
So this is also part of the uh, idea that sadhana is a skill. So you have to be thinking about your sadhana. You have to be able to tell your temperature. You have to understand the teaching also, that so you may know how to apply yourself in different angas, or you find an anga that works better for you in terms of being able to absorb your mind. Then, then you shouldn't have doubts that I should should I do this one more than this. You know that that's this. If you have skill, hmm, um, then you you're um, approaching your practice in a dynamic way with a focus on the result that you that it's supposed to pro- provide. So again, you have to know the sadhana. Well, what's the goal of sadhana bhakti? Why do we do sadhana bhakti? What's the purpose of it? Hmm? To attain bhava bhakti. This is the very definition of sadhana uh, bhakti. Uh, uh, you know, the Bengali, what is it? Nityasiddha Krishna Prem Sadhuga Bonoi. Shravanadi Sudachite Kode Egudoi. This is what this verse is the Bengali rendering of Rupa's verse. How's that verse go? Definition of sadhana bhakti, anyway, that says that sadhana bhakti is the practice of bhakti with the senses with a view to attain that which is, no, is eternally uh, existing, the bhavas of sakya, madhurya, and so forth that are eternally existing. Um, and in the context of the practice, what happens is the heart becomes cleansed. Hmm? And, and then the bhakti that one has been consuming, if you will, is and and and, and participating in uh, manifests in the heart. Hmm? Uh, the bhavas manifest. So again, yes. So you don't have to know, know the goal. So um, um, some skill to it. Some and not just going through it uh, mindlessly and wondering why you're not getting the uh, desired result. If you think about it, you can probably figure that out, and you can ask some questions too. But, but some of the answers are, you know, you should have read about this. You should have. Are you reading? Are you studying this? Are you, you know? So, um, um, to create a favorable situation for yourself, in the context of that, to tolerate, and then, um, so that may be part of. Um, someone's depression, or they don't get enough exercise, and their endorphins are not going off, and they feel you know good and happy about themselves, and so forth. That's uh, Prabhupada used to take a walk every day to get his endorphins going, if you will. The reason that Prabhupada took a walk was because, as they say now, sitting is the new smoking. Hmm. So it's not recommended that one sit for too long. It's not good for your health. You should get up and walk around. So many devotees, I find, are opposed to exercise, and they say you should get exercise in a kirtan. That's that's the only place you should get exercise because exercise is maya. But the reason that Prabhupada took a walk was to exercise. You know, so a lot of very practical, down to earth things are sometimes um, missed as we go along and identify with the teaching in a certain way, in a do- with a dogma of uh, without um, thinking about it hmm? and then we do things without understanding why and then we become fanatical about them and then when reasons even are given and even with support from scripture as to why that's not correct you get an emotional kind of response and you find people un- unable to even reason about the practice although they reasoned quite a bit to, to get into the practice in the, in the first place and uh, exercise their 
intelligence and their sincerity and so forth. They're just kind of going on, on automatic, so to speak. So that's not good. So um, aside from that, then creating a favorable situation, being healthy and taking uh, a concern for that. I mean, as I often have said, one way to talk about it is you're not the body and there's a place for that. There's, there's not a big place for it in Gaudi Vaishnavism, Rupa Goswami says, that jnana, and there he means, and vairagya, by which he means, that jnana, or the knowledge of the oneness between jiva and brahman, which is to say that there's a difference between the jiva and the body, and there's a likeness between the jiva and brahman, both of which are consciousness, the source, our source is consciousness, constituted, uh, and so are we. That knowledge is not an anga of bhakti, it's not a limb of bhakti, it's kind of a given. Again, in the context of, of where he's speaking, where it was pretty much a given for, for everybody, except a few minor uh, um, persuasions towards atheism or Buddhism, which were not prominent at, at the time. So. At any rate, um, it, there may be a little more reason to talk about it in a in a different society and time and place when when that when that has reversed out, um, and the prominent uh, paradigm is, is materialistic. Whether people think about it or not, they function within a materialistic paradigm and identify with aspects of a materialistic paradigm without realizing that they do. Like people may not realize that by watching um, movies like, um, you know, was, well, where was the one where the guy loaded his consciousness onto the computer and that's a different one, but anyway, there's similar ideas like that. I see them on the airplane sometime, but um, anyway, this idea that consciousness can be uploaded and it, it, it sounds a little weird, but people ident- the, the whole um, um, robotic artificial intelligence sensibilities, uh, you know, the God, what's his name? I cited it in my book, Sacred Preface, um, Her. There was a movie called Her, and, he, and whoever it was, he fell in love with her, and she was the lady on the on the, on the iPhone, you know, who, what was her name? Siri. Siri. So he fell in love with her, and had a, and had a relationship going with her, and so forth. Well, the, you know, the, the idea there, of course, that's being promoted, subtly, or not so subtly, is that what we call consciousness is material, and thus it could be um, recreated hmm? and the perfection of artificial intelligence is to make other robots and show that, that have feelings of course and show that 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 um, that there's nothing more to life than um, physical uh, forces and you combine them together in the right way and you get these these feelings uh, which don't have any real meaning. <laughs> um, so, when you play that doctrine, if you will, out, it becomes very um, depressing, if you will, and very um, counterintuitive. 
um, to say the least, that there's no free will, no free agency um, in human society. Everything is already determined. Um, there's no overarching meaning or purpose uh, to life. There's no uh, ontologically grounded good or bad. There's no actual really, in all respects, right or wrong to anything in terms of actions. Neither, by extension, is there any right or wrong thought, which just ends all meaningful discourse and debate on the subject, if you subscribe to such a position. So this is materialism. But if you play all those things out, people go, oh, I don't think like that. But, but subtly, they're identified with um, notions that are tied to that paradigm. So it is quite uh, uh, prevalent in our times. At any rate, so... In our circumstances, it may be necessary, and Prabhupada also obviously felt this way when he came to the Americas and Europe. He emphasized that in this way, you are not the body. You know, it's a, it's an old argument. Obviously, he kind of said it in a funny way. And it's kind of, it's kind of a funny way. You're not the body. It just kind of like has this mantric, you know, kind of. Oh, that's different, and I, I like that. Uh, um, but it's a, you know, it's a Platonic idea, which is a, which is a Vedanta idea, um, and. There's different ways to talk about it, different times and different circumstances. And nonetheless, Rupa Goswami's point does hold the knowledge of the difference between Atma and body, or and Atma and Brahman, is not itself an ang of bhakti. What he means to say by that, and I've mentioned this before, is that in the the the, the path of Gyan, which is a separate path from bhakti, which is governed by sattva guna, not by the nirguna. Therefore, it has its limitations in terms of what it can, the fruits that it can produce. Hmm? It can produce knowledge of an experience of Atma. Hmm? That's what it can do. It can't, at the same time, uh, allow Atma to enter into Brahman. That requires something from the other side, from Bhakti, some 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 of Sattviki Bhakti or something. Uh, um, but um, the point is that in this, the path on the path of Gyan. It is an anga of the Gyan Marg to focus one's attention and contemplate the idea Aham Brahmasmi, Neti Neti, these type of sounds from the Upanishads, which Yadadvaitam Brahmopanishadi Tarapyasyatunubha, as Krishna says, the Upanishads tend to speak about this undifferentiated. Brahman and the ones between the Jiva and the Brahman. That's not the whole story. You have to look deeply at it and so forth. And of course, you come ultimately to the Bhagavatam and it's all played out. And and you come to a more nuanced perspective that includes that idea, but it has a huge footnote to it all. You know, there's the way in which you're one is, is not an absolute oneness and so forth. But at any rate, the basic point here is that that the focus that I'm not the body is itself not an anga of bhakti. Hmm? So Rupa Goswami just goes on from there, and it's just to be just like something that's just understood. Meanwhile, we go, we apply ourselves with the angas of bhakti, and we realize that in the that you're not the body in the context of doing that, hmm? and much more. But the focus is on the much more on having a relationship with Bhagawan. So it's a it's not a you're not something, but you are something in potential as a result of the gracious grant of bhakti that's come to you through sadhu sangha. It's a very positive focus by which the negative that you're 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 not what you thought you were 
is uh, resolved and uh, dissolved and, uh, and so forth. So this is an important uh, point to stress every now and then. Hmm? And so one of the ways in which to stress that is to say, rather than that you're not the body, that you now have a sadhaka deha. You have a body, a practitioner's body. Mahaprabhu told Sanatan Goswami Prabhu that when you, at the time of Diksha, you get a practitioner's body, a sadhaka deha. And it has, because it's a, it's a physical and psychological body hmm, um, that can be in touch with bhakti through the senses and then the cleansing of the antakarn, the, the subtle body, which will then eventually give rise to material emotion, hmm, as bhakti fully plays itself out in bhava, then uh, you, you have a, a sadhaka day, a practitioner's body, which is a work in progress that in sadhana is, involves keeping my senses in touch with sense objects only for the pleasure of Rishikesh Krishna. So the more this is done, the more this drops of water of our sadhana wither away the stone of our antakarna and melt it, our subtle body, and turn it into um, a, a, uh, a subtle body that's overridden, if you will, by bhava, which then and has it obviously from subtle comes to gross, has an effect. He starts with the senses. Through the body and senses, we affect the antakarna as the unsubtle body is affected and completely and bhava overrides it, then then accordingly, because the senses follow the, the subtle body, then um, the, the, the subtle the, the, the gross body becomes spiritualized. This is a kind of a transubstantiation, to use a Catholic term, where ordinary material things, in that case wine and bread turn into the transcendental uh, uh, sacrament and and constitute the body of the of the Christ and you have a similar idea also within Christianity at large that there's this resurrection of the body I mean it's it's it, 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 it there's a spiritualization somehow of the material body it's a little different than we talk about it but the the idea is uh, uh, has uh, similarities, if you will, worth worth comparing uh, notes with uh, the Christian theologians. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the guys talking to me about that one, Christian theologian. Now, uh, um, so, um, so the rather than I'm not the body. We can say you are the body. You have now a sadaka deha. It's a work in progress, and you should not uh, be in denial of its needs, but you should cater to its needs, understanding it for what it is. I remember when I was young and living in uh, in Udwarka in uh, in Los Angeles and. Uh, uh, putting on tea lock one morning, and I was thinking, you know, this would be, you know, this is a kind of cosmetic. It's a Vaishnava cosmetic, you know, which is rather vain. Often cosmetics, they don't probably have any health benefits, but right there, they're more, you know, to improve or enhance or whatever one's uh, 
one's um, appearance. Um, and I was thinking how the you know, gopis must be putting on their tilak. I was young at the time, and very carefully and so forth, and, and with great attention, you know. But I was very inspired by the, th- the thoughts that I was having at the time, that, that I could be as vain as you could imagine, you know, and really want to get it right, so to speak, because this Krishna, I'm doing it for Krishna, identify myself, that my body as a, belongs to Krishna, he'll see me in the Arctic, I've got T-lock on, you know, and it's as straight as you can make it, with a head like mine, it's hard, but, um, but, but, this is a very, as I say, very like positive approach, so that so that so that um, that devotees can, uh, on the strength of bhakti, um, have a body positive um, focus, if you will, that um, accomplishes uh, the same thing as thinking I'm not the body in one sense, more without the potential downside of this very like negative perspective that you can hear sometimes from devotees. I'm not the body. What, what, how old are you? This body is 14, you know, 140 years old or whatever. This body is what? I asked how old you were. (laughs) This body is, so, you know, that they're trying to do it like that, but it's, and then it has a negative, and it's a bad thing. I remember once a fellow was one of my gobblers, we were sitting with Pujapatrita, Marjana's veranda, and and the gobbler said, uh, Guru Maharaj, today's a very inauspicious day. He said, really? <laughs> what what day is it? You know? And he said, it's the day I took birth in the material body. And Chidamara mm-hmm. said, what? What are you talking about? It says, Jalaja Navalakshani Stavaralakshabhimshati Kremi. He quoted from the, the Purana. You know, you've, there are 84 lakhs of species and you've come from an aquatic to a to a reptile, to an insect, to a bird. And you've got a human birth. It's rare. And within human birth, Right? You got a human birth and you got Sadhu Sangha, a Sadguru. I mean, it's like the most auspicious, let's have a party, you know, a kind of a pr- approach to it. That's um, the Bhakti's got cause to celebrate everything. It's, a, it's an ongoing uh, festival, if you will. So um, that type of focus then may help us, perhaps, not to be develop a, a, a neurosis about bodily and mental um, conditions that um, that need to be shifted or could, is part of creating a favorable environment. You know, the body I'm identified with, uh, my, my sadhaka deha, and fixing it and, and so forth, and no one should be shy about it or embarrassed about it. Um, and and mental uh, conditions that um, impede one um, in in ways uh, of practicing, um, just like the broken leg might impede you from being able to dance in the Arctic or something like that, um, can be addressed. And how should they be addressed? Well, you know, typically you find people who are more expert about at that and who have. Um, either uh, through counseling is you know is, is is possible, and the counselor may be able to say, "I think medication may be a solution." And there may be, there may be natural. What do you call it? whatever is natural? I mean, you, what, you know, according. <laughs> that's another thing. What's 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 natural? 
the very, it's a nice and interesting point, the very idea of something being unnatural. In a materialistic paradigm, there can't be anything unnatural. There's nothing unnatural in materialism. This is just a side point. Because a lot of people won't want to be have natural cures or have a natural whatever. Um, um, there is nothing natural. There's nothing unnatural. I mean to say, in an in a materialistic perspective, because they're just physical forces, and whether they, however they're interacting, if they create oil, oil, if oil comes out, if it comes out of someone's brain, and and and, and someone's brain creates some kind of combines things together that are poisonous and toxic and so forth. It's as natural as anything else. The idea that there's something unnatural, you understand, means that there has to be something other than physical forces. Hmm? This is a subtle point. Hmm? Um, there's nothing out of the norm in materialism. It's just happening. <laughs> so, at any rate... Um, um, whether they want to take a naturopathic approach and that may be useful or they, or they may need to take an allopathic approach and so we're kind of going up a ladder to you know how to approach the matter practically in the context of speaking more broadly about how maybe to think about it in a positive way and um, and not suffer in some way further mentally just from the fact that you're you know have a condition that needs to be uh, addressed and so there are some good, um, I would imagine, uh, relatively good antidepressants that, that may be required in some instances for someone to function um, um, without um, acute uh, cases of depression that can immobilize a, a person. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subject that's very difficult to understand, like most things, if you have no experience, if you don't have experience of clinical depression, you just think, you know, hey, it's okay, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, the sun's up, you know, let's go out and do something, you know, don't feel bad, you shouldn't feel bad, I mean, these are not, you know, you don't, uh, you have to um, be able to enter into it a bit and be able to empathize, and, uh, and, uh, and that, that, that's important, to have some empathetic, uh, Friends, but I just emphasize that because it is a serious condition that many devotees do uh, suffer from, and it's good if others understand it as such and um, help them to deal with it by being positive, but not in an artificial um, way. And so, there are any number of ways of of, of of dealing with it, and and depending on its um, its severity. Hmm? But um, I. I would just uh, um, caution about neglect of neglect for treating it because of having a, such a like a negative idea about it that, that if I have to treat it, it means I'm bad, I'm weird, I'm I'm, I'm crazy, or, or however they may they may feel. That's you know it's just something that uh, happens and it's pretty prominent in the industrial. Um, society in which we live in causes maybe, you know, so many the way our our brains are are formed in this environment is certainly yeah, we are certain, certain certainly impacted by the environment different from times gone by and when a lot of the the kind of uh, 
problems, like the Dalai Lama was quoted to have said that he couldn't identify with Americans' self-loathing. He couldn't understand, well, what's that all about? Why do they feel like that? You know, they're good people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he just like had, in other words, his experience was nobody, you know, he never saw that till he came to 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 America, you know? which is also an interesting uh, point that uh, as to what 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 progress uh, means. Hmm. I saw a guy. I was telling Chidhar. I saw a guy who was making a white supremacist argument that the Negro, as he called them, slaves, were better off because of having been brought to America. So, the virtues of slavery are, you know, are, man, are many. Look at the better opportunities that they have. Now they're better, you know, they would, they would just be over there in Africa, you know, was this idea, which, you know, of course, the, the, the reason that they're better off is because they resisted the slavery in America at a certain point with the help of some other people and they, and they got uh, the freedoms that humans, uh, you know, should be uh, afforded. But aside from that, um, you know, are you better because you don't poop in the woods? You know, if at the same time you're, you know, pouring other things, cutting down the trees, you know, entirely with no uh, reverence for them. And um, does it make you better? And are you happier? And are you less mentally disturbed? And do, you know, um, it's not necessarily the case. Like you take American, Native Americans and how they, there's some pretty wise um persons in those uh, sectors and uh, and uh, had you know replies to this idea that the industrialization of America was the greatest thing since um, since uh, since um, Rajabakti's sliced bread and other nice things that she bakes there I really like those wraps that you made with the prunes inside if you can Make some more of those. That would be good. <laughs> By the way, so <laughs> a little far-reaching in the discussion here, but, <laughs> but um, great cure for depression. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 a boost. Yeah. Um, so I know. Think about it along those those lines, and. Um, and um, proceed you know, uh, accordingly, and there are there are remedies, there are remedies, and um, experiment with good uh, help. And it's, I would say, in most cases, you can find a, a pretty good solution. There may be chronic situations where you know that's harder, but. Uh, that help? Yeah. I didn't expect an answer like that. Maybe you did. Maybe some of those Yeah. What else? What's the time? 25 after 7. Well, I'll try to give a short answer. It might be a short answer. Um, I've been thinking about the three betas. Three what? The three betas. So Beta? Oh, oh, Swajatiya, Vijatiya, and Swagata, Bed. Swagata, Bed. And um, 
They're not found in the bottle, Tom. So I, are they, I have a few questions. Are they terms from the Upanishads? Are they engaged by the Maya bodies? Is that why um, you speak about them in Tattva-Sandarva? Um, and um, if so, it, like for the for the pagodias, we, we understand that Brahman or the absolute is non-dual. That we in that sense we agree with the Maya body. It's non-dual. We just have a different definition of what is non-dual. They say. Um, anyway, that we have different conception of what mm-hmm. non-dual means. Mm-hmm. So um, besides that. Uh, we also agree that there's no differences between the absolute and these three ways. Um, is there is there like a metaphysical reason why there can't be differences? For instance, is it because the absolute is in a category has to be in a category of it, of its own as the source of everything? Nothing exists without the you know the existence of, of Brahman. Um, and therefore, that's the that's the importance of there not of Brahman not being um, dual. So um, you see where I'm going with it. Kind of, but I think that these are uh, old Vedantic terms for determining uh, what constitutes non-duality. No internal difference, sagatubed. No difference between itself and something similar to itself, like two glasses or or vijati obeyed no difference between something uh that uh, two uh, of two different categories uh, a glass and a and a chair all right so i think it's an old vedantic term that's employed to um arrive at a uh, uh de- determination as to the measure or extent of something that's non dual as far as um the other part of your your question um one really answer to your question as to why the absolute has to be non-dual. It's not really a question of why the absolute has to be non-dual. It's more of a question of that's what the scripture says. And, uh, for example, Vedanti tattvavidas tattvam yad jnanam advayam Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavan, Iti, Shabdite. And again, this is a verse that Paramatma Sandarbha, Bhagavat Sandarbha are all based on. They all arise out of this one verse of the Bhagavatam. And to some extent, the Tattva Sandarbha as well. So it's an important verse of the Bhagavatam. And, you know, when we say it's an important verse of the Bhagavatam, it is. And, of course, that's a Gaudiya perspective on the Bhagavatam. And it's different than Ramanuja's perspective, which is a qualified non-dualism. And so he reads that verse differently. It's just to say, God is known as Brahman, God is known as Paramatma, God is known as Bhagavan, you know. But it, but I don't know how he... I mean, he doesn't comment on the Bhagavatam, so he doesn't really deal with the Advaigyan Tattva of it. But anyway, that's our reading of it. We would say, hey, look, you know, this is what the scripture says, and therefore you've got it, you know, slightly skewed. Um, it's 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 so it's not a question of you know you it's your question is somewhat like why does God exist why is there nothing instead of something hmm? why is God non-dual why does he have to be non-dual instead of being dualistic is it because if he was dual there was a, it could be any number of ways that you could think about that but our reason 
for saying that non-God is dual, non-dual, the absolute is non-dual, is because that's what the scriptures say according to our our reading. So it's 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 some there are why questions and there are how questions, and the why questions are are big and important um, to us to a certain extent. Why am I? What meaning questions and so forth. But it's not that all how questions are meaningless. So some of the questions are how God is. God happens to be like this. And then you can say, and don't ask why, because God is like this. And how do we know that? Because there's a means to know things that we couldn't know on the strength of our own powers of knowing, sensual, mental, and intellectual, and that's what we call revelation. And a a prominent uh, body of that is the sacred texts. And, of course, then how they're understood through your parampara, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, that said, as I say, I, 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 what would be, what would be, Ramanuja's qualified non-dualism, so his absolute is, as, um, I think it, 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 it lacks swagata bait or something. Uh, I'd have to look at it again. Uh, um, so, but so he wouldn't agree with us on how God is. Um, but um, it's again, it's a, it's that's kind of how I would look at uh, the question. He 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 could be anything, whatever. But he, he we see it as the scripture says he's like this, and so that answers our question. And that's an important point, obviously, because. You have to understand that that's what the scriptures for to answer questions that you couldn't answer with your reason alone or with your senses alone. And then, well, unfortunately, at times when we we find that we give the answer from the scripture, it's not enough for someone and maybe a devotee, which then brings into question the extent to which their faith is is derived from shrad from shastriya. There should be shastriya shraddha faith that is conforms with the revelation hmm? and if that, that, that it, it implies that my my power of knowing is limited hmm? and so i need revelation to know in a comprehensive way about the nature of the absolute about things that my ways of knowing do not extend to that don't have currency for uh understanding so um it's unfortunate Sometimes when we when we can cite, for example, the Siddhanta from the scripture, like you take, for example, Nadi Karma, for example, okay, you know, I don't like that idea. Karma has no beginning, you know. That doesn't. It's not the question whether you like it or, or or not, or whether it works for you, whether you what you think is reasonable, what you th- how you think it should be, what you think is fair, you know, is <laughs> that's just not a, it's not a, that's what. That's what transcending your own um, material identity in 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 many respects involves. So you, you, it it does involve changing the way you giving up ways that you have thought about things, and it may become on more subtle levels as you go go forward. Like you know, people say people like the idea that in Krishna consciousness you're an individual. Yeah, I like that. You know, I mean, what could be more American than that? You know, <laughs> and then of course, then you have to break it down over time that you're individual. That's true, but you're also 
not the individual that you think you are. You're not, you know, just uh, your desires and uh, and so forth. And uh, and when do I want to be that person? You know that uh, now you're attacking me. You know, <laughs> with the Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Why can't we just chant? You know, <laughs> so it's important uh, to uh, anyway. Yeah, he. I thought. Well, uh, I'm not sure if he used those terms uh, so in the in the Sindarbas itself. Yeah. Do do you know it to be like a strong argument that the Mayavadis use that these three Vedas? You know, I don't know if they use that. That's uh, because if it could, is like a, a core. Um, discussion for the Advaitins. I was thinking how interesting that Jiva Goswami's tattva is a chincha veda a veda, and um, kind of like if, you know putting a, a, anyway how you describe that we understand the absolute to be non-dual, mm-hmm. but in a different way than the in a dynamic sense, yeah. Dynamic. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into that. Uh, yeah, the, the, the genesis of those. Um, Terms I can't recall at the moment, and I'll try to get back to you on that. So nice to be with you all this evening, and don't chant and be happy. Is <laughs> the message primarily tonight? Uh, chant and enter into non-dual happiness. Shri Shri Goradam Adavaki Jai. Shri Shri Raji Gopal Ki Jai. Shri Shri Gaurnitananda Ki Jai. Gaurbhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaurpremanandi.